Welcome Wednesday evening chapel. We are going to. Oh, you got help. <clears throat> All right, one more time. We're going to finish the race and keep the faith. Now, before we begin this evening, I want to introduce uh, most of you to uh, a couple of friends and mentors of mine, uh, Neil and Bonnie Wiseman, former professors, and Dr. Wiseman. Neil was former dean at New Bible College. pray together. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, and love. You are worthy of our praise tonight. There is none like you, full of grace, full of mercy, full of love. There is none like you, Father. And you invite us through your Son, Jesus Christ, to be your children. And we thank you and praise you tonight for your plan of redemption that captured our hearts, transformed our lives, and brought us to this place where we say yes to you and yes to your will. So, Father, tonight we just want you to know that we love you and we worship you. And we come from a fresh word from you tonight. And may you speak through chaplain-like. May we have ears to hear. May we have hearts to receive. That which you say through your servant to each of us tonight. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Back sometime in the summer, I was thinking about you. <clears throat> it was good thoughts. Uh, and a lot of you I didn't even know, hadn't even met yet. And some, uh, we still haven't been in class together, so I can't call you by name. Uh, but I was thinking about you when I was trying to discern, trying to decide what the uh, theme was going to be for our chapel ministries this year. See, I've, I've been around here long enough to have seen too many eager, promising students begin here, sometimes hang around here, but too many of them don't finish here. Sometimes they just up and quit and let everybody know that they have. Uh, sometimes they implode or they explode and they wind up hurting everybody around them in their circle. Uh, most of the time, though, they um, just kind of disappear. Oh, do you remember so-and-so? Yeah, oh, when did it happen to them? I don't know. Well, see, I, I, so I've been thinking about you since summer, and I don't want any of what I just described to happen to you. So all year long... Every time you come to chapel, we're going to say, finish the race, keep the faith. Tonight, I want us to look at the context of that.
passage of that verse, that idea. So uh, grab the Bible that's close to you and turn to Second uh, Timothy. Second Timothy, the end of the book, chapter 4. Um, the letter really has that same kind of intention that I just talked with you about. Um, Paul was writing to his son in the Lord. He was writing to his student minister. And he wanted him to finish. So he wrote, beginning with verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and with careful instruction. For the time will come when men, not just men, women too, okay? For the time will come when men and women will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. Maybe better translated, I have contested the noble contest. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, which will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. That includes all of us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Word of the Lord. Paul uses athletic images in this passage to describe where he's been what he's done, where he's headed, and what he expects of Timothy. And we're going to spend our time this evening around uh, that part of the passage. Lots of other things to uncover, and we'll talk about those another time. So first, I want us to talk about running and racing. This is question and answer time, so I need for you to tell me, what does it take to be a good runner? Dedication, Dedication and? Training, and? Say again. Commitment and? Perseverance. Perseverance. And what, what's that mean, Luis? A strong mind. Okay. Training. Speed. Endurance. Good pair of shoes. Good pair of Nikes. Okay. Say that again, Liz. All right. And Jamie? Time. Good. You remember from class, don't you? Okay, so, now how do you know that? How do you know that what, these things that you've just listed, how do you know that it takes those things to be a good runner? To, okay, experience. What kind of experience you have? All right, okay, okay. Or not being able to, and having tried, okay. Right? Okay, other, other ways? Observing, watching other people do it. Yes, Ted? All right, good. 
Okay, so we're uh, already kind of anticipating where I'm headed. What's, what's the difference between knowing about running and knowing how to run? Doing it, isn't it? Doing it. Paul knew how to run, didn't he? We all know about his story of his coming to Christ and his travels from one end of the Mediterranean Sea to the other, always with the intention of telling people about Jesus. We know how he sang in his jail cell and he preached to the jailer, how he survived shipwrecks and snake bites and riots and beatings, how he wrote to his people who loved him and to the people who didn't love him. He wrote them letters too. How he gave himself up for the cause of Christ and how that cause ultimately led to his death. He knew how to run. So when he's telling Timothy, Timothy, it's your turn. It's your turn to run this race. Here's how you do it. He had Timothy's attention, didn't he? Wasn't just about their relationship, but Timothy had been watching and Timothy had been following and Timothy knew that what Paul was telling him, Paul knew from firsthand experience, more than just reading it in a book. So the first thing I want us to hear about this race that Paul's talking about is that it's not a sprint or Nextel, or <laughs> just making sure you're paying attention. It's not a sprint, it's not a 440, it's not a mile, it's not even a marathon. It's a run. It's a cross-country run. And the run just doesn't happen on a track, or in a stadium, or even on a road. Most of the time, this cross-country run takes us country. Came across this thing, I thought you might like it. It said that you might be a cross-country runner if, you might be a cross-country runner if your shoes have more miles on them than your car does, or the dogs have to hurry to keep up. You can eat your weight in spaghetti. Uh, you might be a cross-country runner if you've been to every golf course in town but don't play golf. <laughs> and you wake up every morning in pain. Cross-country runners, is that right? Is that right, John? If we had the time, we could probably unpack this next one. You might be a Christian ministry runner if you're willing to go wherever God wants you to go. You're willing to do your English homework on time. <laughs> you might be a cross-country runner if. What Paul wanted Timothy to grab and what he wants all of us to grab through this letter is that this was what this runs about. Cross-country runs go from one point to another and typically with this thing, this end in mind. There are always obstacles of one kind or another between the runners and the finish line. Actually, the original cross-country races took place in the countryside in England. They would start someplace in the county, and they'd say, oh, there's a steeple over there. I'll beat you there. Come on, let's go. So from wherever they were to wherever they had to be, they had to run. So they crawled, and they waded, and they climbed, and they made their way through whatever obstacle it was to get to that point first. Now, while Paul certainly dealt with physical obstacles in his running, storms at sea, desert dryness, physical torture, uh, numbing cold, 
the most challenging obstacles that he faced were the humankind, weren't they? All in favor say aye. It's the way it was. Listen one more time in verses 3 and 4, how he describes it. For the time will come when men and women will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth. They will turn aside to myths. Paul knew, Paul knew that the time will come is today, tomorrow, the next day. He had been running the race long enough to know that this was not just something that was going to happen far out in the distance, but Timothy might get finished reading this letter, and he'd put it down, and he'd head to his office, and he'd wind up with somebody saying, you know, I don't really appreciate the kind of ministry that you have for me these days. Paul's telling Timothy here this resistance, these obstacles that you'll come into, you'll come across, par for the course. Par for the course comes with the territory. You'll have to climb and jump and wade and crawl through them just like I did. They are not a reason to quit. Can I get an Amen. They are not a reason to quit. They are part of the run. They're part of the run. And so obviously the, the truth here holds for us. Not everyone to whom we minister will welcome us with open arms. Not everyone to whom we minister will join us in the cause for Christ. Not everyone with whom we share the gospel will respond to the love of Christ. And not everyone we know will agree with our decision to live our lives for Christ. I have a hunch there's a couple of people in this room whose family are still scratching their heads because you're here and not someplace else. The cross-country run of Christian ministry will take us to people who will try to block our way. Paul's word here is keep going, keep running, Finish the race. Keep the faith. Now there are some things about the run that Paul has in mind that are not typical of most races. And these differences also have something to say to us about our ministries. The first thing is this. That the people with whom we run this race are not our competitors. Say it one more time. The people with whom we run this race are not our competitors. They are our teammates. They are our co-runners. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And in this race, we're not trying to beat them. We're not trying to win, to finish ahead of them, or even make sure that they lose, are we? We're running with them. They're running with us. And together on the run, it's our goal that we all cross the finish line with our faith in Christ intact, with none of the runners left behind. Amen? Amen. Second difference, second difference is, is that this cross-country run of Christian ministry is different for everyone. Now, it's true that we are all attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, those of you who were around last year 
Okay? That's true, but we will all get there in different ways, won't we? Each course, each path, each ministry is unique for each minister of the gospel. Say that one more time, because I think sometimes we think our ministry has to be like someone else's. Each course, each path, each ministry is unique for each minister of the gospel. We will find our course, we will find our path, find our ministry by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the writer of the Hebrews says. But they all look a bit different. They'll all be unique. So while we are running together, we are each to run the race that God has set for us. He'll make it clear, yes? Yes? He'll make it clear. Sometimes some of us want to help somebody else get their thing clear. But he'll make it clear to us if we'll listen. Third, third difference about this race that Paul's talking about compared to typical cross-country races is that the finish line's not marked. You know, as much as cross-country runners like to run, they do want to know there's a finish line. They want to pace themselves so that from here to there they, they've got enough energy to get across the line so they can finish strong. They want to know where the end of the race is. There really isn't that kind of demarcation in the, our race, is there? Now, I don't mean to imply that this Christian ministry race is like Forrest Gump, <laughs> who ran because he wanted to run, and who stopped because he wanted to stop. He was done running. The finish line of our ministries comes when God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Well done. I don't know when that is for me or for you. But he does want us to run each day with his joy in mind. Finish one final thing, then, that makes this uh, race, this run of Christian ministry unique, is that it is run before the audience of one. It's run before the audience of one. I know those of you who've been in my class, you've heard that from Oz Guinness's stuff. Listen to verse 1 again. In the presence of God in Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. In view of whom? The audience of one. And the charge is run. Run. God, the creator of the universe, the savior of our souls, the spirit of our lives in him has purchased season tickets, trackside for each and every one of our runs for him. He's not missing a step. He's encouraging us along. He's guiding our feet. He's coaching us on. He's empowering our run, and he'll be with us to the end of the race. Doesn't it say that someplace in the book? Now, that's not to say that no one else is watching. 
in case I needed to remind you. It's not to say that no one else is watching. That's not to say that no one else is paying attention to what we're doing. But it is to say that we're not running the race for them. We're running the race for him. We're not running the race for them. We're running the race for him. Will others learn from our run? I hope so. Don't you? Don't you? Just making sure. Will others be encouraged to finish their course because we finished ours? May it be so. May it be so. That's why Paul can say to Timothy, in essence, I want you to finish well. I want you to know what you're facing, but I still want you to finish well. I want you to consider what it's going to cost you, but I want you to embrace the race. I want you to think about what I've gone through, but I want you to cross the line. Follow my lead. Follow my lead. This point in Paul's life, this last letter to his son, he's finished the race. He knows it. He's kept the faith. There's not much left to him. In fact, he hopes that uh, he'll come, Timothy will come before winter. But when Paul did cross the line on the other side of this letter, even with that great cloud of witnesses that was surrounding him, Hebrews 12 again, Paul was focused on one thing. He wanted to see Jesus face to face. Having everybody else around was a plus, but that wasn't the reason why he ran. One final piece to this race, to this run that Paul describes here, and I want to just clarify. It has to do with the celebration that happens when the race is over, when the finish line has been crossed, and when the runner is finally able to rest. It's the award ceremony. And the runner will step up to receive his or her prize, and and Paul calls it the crown of righteousness. This prize is not a golden crown which awards righteousness to the runner. Let me say it again. This crown, this point, this place, is not a golden crown that awards righteousness to the runner. It is a wreath of bay laurel wreaths and branches which recognizes the righteousness with which the runner has run the race. It doesn't bestow righteousness, it recognizes it. And it says that this person, this man, this woman has run this race and they have done so righteously. And we're paying, and we're going to make recognition of that. It's that kind of crown that's waiting for all Christian ministers, for everybody in this room who will run their cross-country race of ministry with Christ-like love and character. As I said in the beginning, um, I, I've had you in mind since the summer. I want you to finish well. I want you to know what you're facing, but I want you to finish well. I want you to embrace the race, 
I want you to finish well. I want you to keep running. Keep running in the way that Paul wants Timothy to. So before we close, just a couple of quick questions. Anything in your life right now that will keep you from doing so? See, the finish line's not just a long way off, it's now. If there is, are you willing to give it up so that you can finish the race and keep the faith? Need my music people to come. I want us to sing a song. Help us run. Can't do it on our own. Help us hear you. We can't do that on our own. Help us follow you. Can't do that on our own. But we're willing if you'll run with us. We pray it in your name and look forward to it happening. And all of the runners said, Amen. Amen. Go in his peace.